0: What are you laughing at?
1: The way you were sitting there was funny. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Roaring Glory podcast. This is season three, episode one. I don't know why I did that. We're starting something new. We hope that you will enjoy it. We're going to enjoy it. We hope it will be beneficial all to the glory of our king and savior, jesus christ to him alone be glory and honor amen let's go
0: oh hey hello (laughs) fancy meeting you here yeah yeah since we're here at your house at my house yeah fancy meeting you here behind the mic once again
1: once again behind the microphone together
0: we apologize for our four month delay, but there's been some things going on. A few things, a few things. Why don't you fill our listeners in as to what has been taking place in your life?
1: So, we, uh, we sowed some seed, uh, and God watered the seed.
0: Yeah. And it came up from the ground, and now we have a crop. You guys are the real farmers because you don't even water. <laughs> you just put it out there,
1: <laughs> that's true. We've got no uh gosh, what are those called?
0: I don't even know what they're it, called irrigation systems? yeah
1: the the ones that go around the
0: circle irrigators or whatever. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, you got just go for it. You just trust the Lord and say we're do we're gonna we can do one part that's true it and and we can't even do that.
1: That's true from you that's true. I mean, in all reality, we're living out the gospel just you, in a very human.
0: Uh, earthly physical way. Do you know a ton about the gospel? Ad lib, not a libre joke. Yeah, that was a that was a good joke. <laughs> I like that movie. Oh, he finished that. We had uh,
1: you had a major thing
0: happen. Yeah, there was a fourth child that entered my home. Numero through, cuatro. Through my wife's womb. <laughs> yes. Yes. He came forth. He broke forth into life, from life, from right. life to life. Right,
1: he was already alive. We need to establish we, yeah, that's make sure that that's yes. our Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah.
0: No. We just met him for the first time. Right. Met him for the first time in June. Right. He's here. He's fourth boy. Crazy. That's going on.
1: No food left in
0: the... That's Barbie why household. I'm at Andy's house. That's yes. why I've been here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. That's why I have a bedroom at Andy's house. He does. The,
1: <laughs> no. we he does. He's got a closet full of his own cl- no.
0: No, it's amazing. It's a uh I mean, truthfully, like a heavy burden I feel every morning. Wow. It feels like a small army. You do have a small and I'm army. I'm like, wait a minute, am I you're, a general? You're what
1: <laughs> You're one tiny tot away from having a basketball team.
0: Tiny tot, yeah. Man. Well, you see, I always think about the golf course and I'm like, okay, there's you can take a group of 5 out. That's you can see that once yeah,
1: in a while. But once you could just ask me to go and I would.
0: Then you could have two groups of 3.
1: You could. You could have two groups of 3. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because you know, if you take only like two uh, to a golf course, they'll throw somebody with you. Sometimes if you only have 3, they'll throw another one with you. Sometimes. So I got to have more kids.
1: Or you could just ask me to go. So this, this is a dilemma, because I want to go golfing with you, but you never ask me to go.
0: I never go golfing, because there's four children in my <laughs> house. <laughs> yes. You like that one, don't I you? I do. That was a good one.
1: So uh, why don't you explain to our listeners, all three of them, what we're doing these days.
0: Yeah, you guys that are listening to this, we have been, in the past, just kind of um, riffing off of Um, Hot-button issues, um, topics of the day from a biblical standpoint, just kind of doing that normal podcast thing that a lot of people do. Right, right. And we just weren't really feeling satisfied with that, didn't feel like the people that do listen to this, like they need another one of those. Right. And from us, who are we? Right. So we thought what would be more helpful is doing something that's helpful to us. We have... Mm. Lots of friends, um, not in the sense that they are able to uh, speak to us, have an address, bring dips over to parties. (laughs) But uh, they're friends that sit on shelves, and they're... uh, Like elves. (laughs) No. (laughs) No way. And they're usually uh, cloth or hardcover bound or paper bound. Yes. Talking about books, people. Books. Books. And the people that wrote them. And we're going to help you experience the benefit that you can gain Mm. um, from these friends. Um, And the main point here is that they help us better understand and even think about the Bible. And so these aren't the Bible. Right, right. We want to make that clear that these books are going to help us turn back to the Bible. Amen. And... So we just want to, every episode, just walk through a resource and briefly explain why it's beneficial biblically. Yeah.
1: Hi- highlight a few things, a few paragraphs, a few ideas, Yeah, uh, chapters, and, and hopefully give you an idea of what the book is, is about and maybe encourage you to pick up the book and read it mm-hmm. totally through for yourself. Yeah. Spurgeon yeah. has a quote that's <clears throat> behind me on the wall. There it is. It's in my library. He says, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. So that's, that's kind of our goal here is to help you visit more books, encourage you to visit books, but, but ultimately that those books, like Dakota said, would point us back to Scripture.
0: It's kind of like no matter where you go in the world, you should always be seeing God's hand in creating that particular setting. There's yeah. always one place to look, even when you're visiting other places.
1: Yes. Is that a good way to think of it? I think so, if you think about it long enough.
0: <clears throat> My apologies. I think allergies are kicking in. <laughs> is, that, yeah. is that what's kicking in? Or it's a variant, Cause, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're out there. What do they, what do they call that? Would you say the Mexican beer shot? The Mexican beer shot is code for the COVID vaccine. mm but don't tell Facebook that, or they will kick you off if you say something. Gosh, our podcast um, might get flagged now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving. Okay. But that brings up a good point. That's kind of why we're doing this, because you have a lot of resources that mm-hmm. you should and that do help you think about current issues in a biblical way. And, mm-hmm. that's, and they're great at what they do. And we've shared some of those and yep. can continue to. Yep. I'll plug right now just Founders Podcast, Sword in the Trowel, I think it's called. Yep. And then Just Thinking with Daryl Harrison and... Virgil Walker. Virgil Walker. Yeah. Um, and Owen Strand's... Uh, the Antithesis. The Antithesis, that podcast. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. We want to do what has been placed on our hearts from the very beginning of our calls to ministry. And I'm, Andy, I'm going to speak for you. Okay. Um, a desire to see you see Him. Mm, and yeah. that's not only a desire for you that's a desire that we have for ourselves Yeah. and so we're going to take you down one avenue of doing that we have a ridiculous embarrassing abundant amount of resources yeah. at our disposal let's visit some together and look at and live in the Bible Amen so let's jump in so
1: the first book uh, we're going to kind of Cliff note review, I guess you could call it. Um, Muy bueno with you guys. <laughs> uh, the title, it's it's actually it's from a sh- a series that Crossway has put out. It's called Short Studies in Biblical Theology, and there are there are twelve, <coughs> thirteen books in this series. Yes, I think twelve, probably. They're short books. Yeah. Um. So that's a a great benefit if you don't have a lot of time or you can only read a little bit at a time. There's only how many chapters four chapters
0: yeah 100 and like 20 some pages the one we're holding in our hand is probably like 5 by 8 or yeah. smaller so you got a you got a series preface
1: here's here's just the contents page right so we got a series preface obviously you don't need to read that from every book that's nice uh, introduction and then you've got four chapters mm-hmm. we're going to walk through these chapters uh, some things that we highlighted hopefully lead into some other ideas and topics just for further thinking um, and then you've got a resources page, it looks like, on, on the last page. was 127 for further reading. Yeah. And you've got a general index and a scripture index as well. So those are nice resources at the end of the book. So uh, let's, just, let's just jump in. Uh, what did you see in uh, either the series preface or the introduction? Well, right.
0: did you mention the title of this first one? I didn't even tell them okay. what book it was. <laughs> <laughs> the first book they were starting with in the series Short Studies in Biblical Theology by Crossway is The Son of God and the New Creation by Graham Goldsworthy, Mm. a former Australian theology professor, and uh, does some great work in Christology, studies on Christ, especially in the Old Testament, and bringing that connection to the New. And so as Andy mentioned, uh, we're going to jump in to one of these four chapters, help you to understand resources like this, so that maybe you can develop a taste Mm for resources like this that will help you in understanding your Bible. Yeah. Making uh, connections, theology connections, that really aid you in your life. So the first chapter is entitled, Thematic Studies, a Biblical Theological Approach. First of all, what is that chapter <laughs> even going to be about? It sounds a little a little high and lofty uh, theological.
1: What's yeah. up? Yeah, I I'll be honest, whenever I first started like actually wanting to read, that title would have been like <clears throat> I don't even know what that means. Yeah. But so you can you just break it down word by word. Mm. And uh it should should make a little more sense. So theology, do you have a like a dictionary definition of theology for
0: us? Theology is basically the study of God. Studying God, studying what we can know about God, what we hear from God. So we're taking
1: a biblical
0: <coughs>
1: study of God type of approach mm-hmm. to studying biblical themes. Yeah. Is that kind of what we're looking at in that yeah. title? I think so. Okay. So yeah. what do you what do you see what do you first have underlined in this chapter?
0: Well, uh just the fact that the study of the Son of God, and how He relates to new creation begins in Genesis, and it's a theme that finds its way all the way through the Bible and helps Mm -hmm. us to understand exactly what God is doing. So therefore, the theme is Jesus bringing about a new creation that's been lost in the Bible, in Genesis, and how God is accomplishing this in and through Him as the second member of the Trinity, the Son, and uh, why He is the important and unique figure to make this possible. Yeah. Um, And so basically, chapter one of this resource is helping us to orient our hearts and minds to the fact that this all depends on God working out His plan of salvation through His Son, who's going to be the one who brings about what has been lost due to sin. In his righteousness, he's going to bring it back about.
1: So basically what you're saying is this first chapter is telling us that the whole Bible is about Jesus? Yes. So there's a first, like, if you didn't know that.
0: <clears throat> yeah, and so what what people are going to do when they're doing that in books like this is they're going to spin chapter 1 Turning tuning in your mind to realize that, yeah that it's about him and what he's doing yeah i is it in Mark the road to Emmaus,
1: where Jesus meets the two disciples and and is explaining how the whole scripture refers to him, and they don't know that it's him or yeah. refers to the christ yeah and and at that time, all the scripture would have been the Old Testament, and then obviously we believe that the New Testament is all about Jesus as well. So we should uh, definitely be seeing that. Okay,
0: let's take that and move to chapter 2. Okay. Because I want to talk about that. So Jesus, the Son of God, the New Testament testimony. Now, what we learn about Jesus in the beginning of his life here on earth is that he I think it's in Luke chapter 2 he 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 grew in um wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man mm. um so think about this Jesus as the son is recognized as the son of man he's he's recognized in the new testament as as Joseph, the carpenter's son, so he's seen as a man. Yep. But what gets revealed through his life and ministry is that he's um in a in a greater sense the son of God, which is why he's here. Yeah. And so he's got those two natures he's God and man. And so chapter two is revealing to us to the New Testament how Jesus is a perfect son of God where Israel in the Old Testament, which we talk about in chapter 3, is not, where, and where Adam is not, a legitimate, perfect, image-bearing son of God. And so it makes the New Testament case for why and how Jesus is and is revealed to be the Son of God. Because think about this, there's only one before him. He makes others... Sons and daughters of God.
1: Yeah. You said something interesting I want to come back to. You said he has two natures. That's something that I had never heard before until recently. Oh, really? You, yeah. Explain that a little bit because I think there's a, an obvious known debate about is Jesus God? Is he man? Fully God? Fully man? And then, and, and we know, or at least we're taught in some light, quick, uh, passing sense that he is fully God, fully man. And so that phrase right there, fully God, fully man, is known but really I think not fully known and maybe misunderstood because when I first read I think it was John Owen I was reading and he was like, oh yeah, he has two natures. I was like, "What? That is that not heretical? And then, so explain that a little bit.
0: I'm reading a book right now by Jaunty Rhodes called um, Man of Sorrows, King of Glory. And in it he makes a good point to show us how those two natures work, because Hebrews tells us that Jesus had to become like us to be able to in other words stand in our place in a negative sense mm-hmm. um to and also to identify with our human experience um to to be able to be that intercessor that mediator between us and god and to be the proper sacrifice but but the point he makes in there is that here's how the two natures of jesus work together so so god is eternal he's always existed i think the bible makes pretty clear that he's he's a unity in the midst of a plurality so that he is one but identified in 3 God, Father, Mm -hmm. Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so as Jesus comes, Isaiah even tells us that He's coming as God with us, um, and then throughout the Psalms and other places in the Old Testament, it's revealed that God is the one who saves His people, delivers them, is the the King, and those sorts of things. And, uh, And so He comes to do that. The way that we see those things interacting are in... Jesus, Philippians 2 says that Jesus emptied himself. Mm -hmm. He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Emptying himself in our English language doesn't quite grasp exactly what he did. He he took on flesh. He kind of added to, um, kind of in a negative sense of what he was, to do something in a positive sense. So, Jesus act, can at one time learn and grow and get hungry and tired, mm. and in another sense, be God. Yeah. So, as a child, He learns and He grows in favor and stature and wisdom through the Scriptures identifying that He is the Messiah yeah. prophesied about, yeah. and at the same time, at all times, be that Messiah. Mm. So that he can say at the call of Nathaniel, "I saw you under the fig tree," and also at the same time be asleep on the front of the boat in the Sea of Galilee yeah, yeah. and at the same time also say, uh, yeah, the the hour and date of my coming again, no one knows but the father. I don't know, yeah. so there's a mystery in how he works how those work together but they just are.
1: Yeah. I heard an illustration by Stephen Lawson recently. You can tell me what you think about it. He, he said in regards to this, uh, trying to understand, in part, uh, Jesus taking on humanity. He said uh, it would be like going to the golf course and having a full bag of clubs, but saying, I'm only going to use these four clubs. Like you got ten clubs, that's you can you can use all of them. Yeah. But when you go and you play, you say I'm only going to use these four. So it's not that he like put off his divinity, yeah. but he put on humanity. I like John Owen makes that distinguish distinction. He 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 doesn't say whenever he put on humanity, he he took off his divinity. Yeah, he just added a human nature to his right. already divine nature,
0: and he submitted to it in obedience to God because that is the plan that yes. he becomes man yes to take man's place yes and that what this book is driving at and the big takeaway that I get from this book so you get it up front is that he is the rightful son and and therefore obtains and is is rightly given the inheritance that's only due a legitimate son. Mm. Yeah. So, and so Jesus is the only legitimate son of God, which is bad news for all of us, because there is no inheritance except for the fact that this son is benevolent and desires to make everyone else sons and daughters through him. He shares... The benefits of his sonship.
1: Yeah. 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 I think that's good. That's good to know up front, too. So they can, uh, anybody reading this, that's something you should look for as you're going through
0: the book. Yeah. One thing I like in this book is how he points out where Jesus succeeds where his predecessors fail in the role as son of God. Mm. So basically, everything Jesus does fulfills his role as son of God where everything that Adam or Israel does fails (laughs) in their role as sons of God.
1: Yeah, he made a point and I don't remember where it was at in the book um, but he was speaking to, I think it was this book, might have been Luther, uh, (coughs) speaking to Adam being made in the image of God um, and that was kind of a a hot button topic. Uh Imago Day is getting thrown around a mm-hmm. lot. Um and and so I I liked how he connected that to the whole of scripture where like Adam was made in the image of God uh, and I think it was intended to say to because he called him a son, was intended to be like, okay, here's the role that you're supposed to fulfill and then Adam didn't fulfill it. And so we're seeing Christ, who is God, also then an image-bearer and fulfilling the role of the Son, like you said perfectly. Because every every uh, every type of Christ before this has been an image-bearer, made in the image of God, and yet could not fulfill the role that Jesus is fulfilling because he wasn't God. And it was set up to make that clear
0: to us yeah there there's a human nature there that doesn't uh identify with god from our end yeah until jesus makes that connection yes and shares the benefits of his connection and not ours so do you want to move to chapter three yeah all right let's do that what's chapter
1: three man Chapter 3. Wow, chapter 2 is a long chapter. I'm trying to get to chapter 3. Yeah, chapter is. 3, the title, Adam, the Son of God. Mm. Subtitle, <coughs> The Old Testament Testimony. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't have much underlined in this. Man,
0: story. well, shoot. I love this chapter. You filled that one up? It was the best chapter of the whole book. Um... On page 67, let me just, let me tell you this. Okay. The first son of God is Adam, and his sonship continues through the generations of Adam's descendants, who are marked out as the elect people, and who are under the covenant promises and stipulations. The climax of this historical genealogy of sons is David, who is promised a final heir, who will be an everlasting son of God we begin to see with greater clarity how it is that Jesus would claim that Moses wrote of me. Mm. And just as Annie mentioned earlier on the podcast, the Emmaus Road explanation of how the whole of the Old Testament points to Jesus or is about him, um, this chapter sums that up at various points. And I mentioned before the interesting thought that that in Jesus' two natures, his humanity had to learn from those scriptures who he was and what he was going to do. And so I would argue that Jesus not only has that understanding as God, but gains that understanding as man Hmm. from the very scriptures that the Jews that crucified him were reading. Wow. And, and so he understands his person, his mission, all through that. And then it's, it's explained and clarified through the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And I think the Old Testament is replete with clarity on who the Messiah is and what He's doing. In Jeremiah 23, uh, this is the name by which He will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Mm. And Andy likes to talk on this. I've heard him before talk about how Jesus is our righteousness. This is literally saying Yahweh is our righteousness.
1: Yeah, so in the Old Testament, a lot of times when you see the Lord uh, completely capitalized, that in the Hebrew would be Yahweh, Um, And so, for whatever reason, and there's actually a new translation that's coming out or has come out where I think the Old Testament has been translated a little bit more precisely. Um, But anyway, you'll find in a lot of those places it to be Yahweh. And so whenever this verse in Jeremiah says, uh, the Lord is our righteousness, it literally would be saying, Yahweh is our righteousness, which means that God himself is making a way for us to be righteous because we could never be righteous on our own because we've so far fallen uh, and we're unable. I mean, our nature is sin because that's what we choose. uh, And he must overcome our hard heart. As he says in, is it Jeremiah or is it Ezekiel? You brought it up, I think, last Sunday. Um, where he says, "I will uh, put my law in your heart and cause you to obey and love," and and so that's what he's doing, and he he is our righteousness. So we we're seeing that this Messiah will be divine, not just not just a man, but that our righteousness will be God's righteousness, and you can trace that through a lot of the New Testament, uh, Jesus being our righteousness, and then line that up with Old Testament references as well.
0: Yes, sir. God, throughout all of Scripture, is the one who acts to save His people. hmm And so Jesus rightly understands, as was told Mary and Joseph, He's coming to save His people. Yeah. And He can only do that because He is... He, he's perfectly pleasing and obedient as a son of God and therefore becomes perfectly pleasing to God when he offers a sacrifice as a priest of the people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that sacrifice happens to be himself. Yes. And so...
1: And Paul talks about that. I mean, we can... Mm-hmm. We uh, This is one thing about... Books like this, they will invoke thought mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily in the lines of the book, but but they should be causing you to think and ponder the Bible and head it back to Scripture to ponder other Scripture. Um, but talk, Paul talks about that a little bit about how like as if the the blood of bulls and rams could sanctify human souls. So that whole the whole Old Testament. Covenant and Mosaic law was intended <laughs> to show the people how sinful and, and it should show us how sinful we are as well and and that should have been obvious to them that the blood of animals could never atone for it. That's why Christ put on a human nature
0: yeah yep yeah I'm done. So that moves us to chapter four where the Son of God is existing in the midst of sons of God. Mm. And we've kind of already talked about how that came to be. Um, but I think through Jesus' resurrection, I think it's the point he makes in this chapter, is his resurrection declares yes. yeah. even more fully that he is the Son of God. Yes. And, and therefore enlightens everybody's mind who's willing to hear that the one who is not, that God's not going to let see destruction, his anointed one, his holy one, in fact, his son, in Psalm 16, is this one, because Jesus hasn't seen ultimate destruction. He became a sacrifice, and he died, but his resurrection, is vindication that his sonship is legitimate, and his inheritance is guaranteed. You can't take it away from him. Um. Even through death. Yeah. So he's allowed that enemy to become a footstool of his, because God has authority over all things and all people at all times. And so God gives him that authority as his inheritance. Yeah. And you see that in Revelation five too.
1: Well, one passage that he quotes in this chapter, it's like the almost the beginning of the chapter, uh, which you'd said something earlier that made me think of this verse. Actually, it's Romans 1, verses 1 through 4. I'll just read it, because it basically, I mean, it is exactly what you just said, which is where you get your theology. Anyway, okay, so Romans 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, a.k.a. Old Testament, concerning his son, Catch that concerning his son, mm-hmm. who was descended from David according to the flesh. Here's here's the reason that I thought of this. And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Yep. So yeah. all all of his ministry through his life should have pointed us to the fact that he was a Messiah. But but then it's the resurrection by the Holy Spirit, that confirms this without a shadow of a doubt. He is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One, who God has set to be our Savior and our righteousness.
0: Yeah, and then he spends time in this chapter on Galatians 4 and talks about how that sonship is effective to us. And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we're no longer slaves, but a son. If a son, then an heir through God. So he passes inheritance rights Hmm. or shares them, in a way, with us from Jesus.
1: Which is amazing.
0: Yeah. I I wrote this, I don't remember where I wrote it down, but
1: the first time I saw that in Scripture, (laughs) it like so blew my mind that I was like, that can't be right.
0: Well, here's the deal. Adam is the first man. Adam is representing humanity Mm. and what they are and what they're going to be. That works itself out to show that they're going to be sinful. They're going to desire their own way. They're not going to seek God. They're not going to be content in that, in their person. Jesus, according to Romans maybe 5 and 6, is is a new and better Adam who is going to be the one who desires God, who's going to be the one who meditates on His law day and night, who's going to be the one who is always pleasing to Him, and is therefore going to be a, a representative um, for humanity. In this time, He gets it right, or Adam doesn't. And so the whole book The Son of God and the New Creation is about Jesus being what we're not mm-hmm. and making us something other than what we are because of who he is. Yeah. And there's a lot of personal pronouns in that. But <laughs> But that's a that's what the book is. Yeah. And it and it's a short brief meditation and helps us think about how that Happens, yeah, and the glory of that.
1: And I really like what he does at the end, uh, kind of like a "so what." I mean, as as <coughs> preachers or as authors, we should eventually get to a "so what." Mm. I mean, what what does this what does this have to do with me? Kind of thing. And I really, I really dislike that phrase because I think in our culture we've taken that and gone. To the extreme, where we go, well, what do, what do I think this verse means? Well, I don't give a rip what you think that verse means. You need to know what the author meant by it, yeah, and then see how to apply your life to it, or how that affects your life. How does Scripture affect your life? So I, I appreciate how he has brought in, and almost like in a full circle, our our um, being heirs with Christ. But it, I underlined this, and I knew I was going to shut the book, and then not, and then want to read it. But he was he was saying it's. Our union with him is based on his exaltation as the Son of God. So,
0: yeah, if if well, like Paul says in verse Corinthians fifteen, if he's not resurrected, then right.
1: If yeah, if he's not if he's not shown to be the Son of God, or if he's not exalted by the Father, then what use is he to us?
0: Because it's all through him, from him, through him. And to, to him. him. Yeah. So it yeah, it all depends on who he is. Yes. And that is the so what. <laughs> like, and that is that is the good news. <laughs> yes. That there is a son of God. Yes. Because we're not anymore. Right. But he is. Right. We have thrown that roll off. And one of Andy's catchphrases is oh. I don't give a rip. And I just wanted to point that out. You like that? That's a catchphrase of yours.
1: Well, it's like the most explicit written sentence i can really (laughs) use it's just trying to make a point like that's your idea of the text is not i don't care i want to know what god meant yeah and how that changes me and so whenever you find that jesus was the son of god and that your righteousness is found in him alone that should change you yeah that causes you to throw yourself at his feet and and cry out for mercy, and trust Him. I mean, that's all you can do is is put your hope in Him.
0: Yeah. I mean, He gets this inheritance, and we get to share it. And <laughs> it just kind of leaves you saying, what? Yeah. We don't, what? Yeah. He's like, no, I'll do that. Yeah, Which means that He also has to, you know, take our wrath. And we kind of share in those sufferings. And then we get to share in the glory.
1: Yeah. Paul says that he considers these sufferings to be nothing when compared to the glory of knowing Christ. Yeah.
0: And Jesus endured the shame of the cross for the glory that was to come. Yeah. So, and that's the new creation. Yeah. And that's how we get there. So that's
1: uh, in a 30-minute conversation, the book The Son of God by Graham Goldsworthy. Obviously, we're encouraging you to pick that
0: up and read it as quickly or as slowly as you can. Yeah, encourage your church library to get a hold of these studies. Our church library has this in there. I know of a couple people who are already in it, and uh, I hope they benefit from it. I hope you benefit from this. And that was our little discussion. Yeah,
1: our first shot uh, do we know where we're what book we're
0: no we'll let you know via via social media via Facebook you know I there's a lot of Facebook users and social media users will use it for the time being but they're uh... are we
1: gonna start like a mailing list where we
0: yeah you can always go to our website uh, roaring yeah Maybe this year we'll come out with some new uh, t shirts or keychains. I like keychains. I never (laughs) see a good keychain out there. Yeah, that's a thing
1: of the past. Uh,
0: Well, yeah, people aren't going to have keychains eventually. Right. It's going to be all put your thumb on your window or whatever, or give your car a high five and then know it's you. (laughs) that's the next feature that I want to see come out on a Tesla is a high five unlock
1: put your whole hand on the window yeah I like it
0: or just say hey Tesla like hey Siri or hey Google (laughs) what hey Tesla whoa this is going to turn into an idea machine and these aren't free so we're going to have to sign off here yeah
1: so Elon Musk if we see this on the next Tesla we'll be giving you a call Mm -hmm. well our lawyers will No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, so we'll let you know what book we're uh, preparing to review next. Uh, Until then, we love you.